This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Oh my goodness me! What a fantastic goal! What a goal! That is absolutely superb! Huge cheers go up around Emirates Stadium. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for the week of the 26th of September 2017. I'm your host, Russell Hargreaves. Coming up on today's show, Ainsley Maitland-Niles talks about becoming a World Cup winner. We learn about the Invincibles in this week's A to Z of Arsenal. Adrian Clark is back for the chalkboard with a very exciting personal development to tell us about as well. But we kick off by looking back at Monday night's visit of West Bromwich Albion for the Arsenal Insider. Let's hear from another Arsenal insider on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Well, I'm here with former Arsenal midfielder Martin Hayes. And Martin, we've just been commentating for Arsenal media on that 2-0 victory against West Brom. The crowd is clearing its way out of Emirates and it's three more points in the bag. What did you make of Arsenal's performance, first of all? Well, I mean, no, it's important we get the points and get back up, up amongst uh, the top four or five. Um, yeah, first half probably didn't defend very well at times we got unusual to see us get opened up that much but as the game went on we got better and better and West Brom really struggled and you know in the end worthy winners nice to see a clean sheet a lot of positives in the end two goals from Alexandre Lacazette getting the job done for the home team here's a quick reminder of that brace from the Frenchman Alexis Sanchez over the wall oh terrific stop and then followed in by Alex Lacazette from close range and the Frenchman has done it once again. He scored in a third consecutive home Premier League clash. The first man to do so since Brian Marwood in the late 80s. Johnny on the spot. That's what we bought him for. Well, Ben Foster hasn't saved a penalty since January 2015. He's up against Alex Lacazette here. And Lacazette for his second. And Arsenal's second finds the corner clinically dispatched. The Gunners have got a bit of breathing space here. Mistake from Neon. And Arsenal have punished the baggies here. It is Arsenal 2, West Bromwich Albion nil. Two nice strikers' goals and a nice little record in there too. First player since 1988 to score three home consecutive goals since signing. That's a cracking little accolade. Yeah, I think, you know, it's nice. It's nice when you join a club 
to be able to, uh, you know, get on as a striker, get on the score sheet early. You know, it takes away the pressure. You know, it's a big move, big, you know, a lot of money move to the club. And, I, you know, I think the fans, the fans see the quality that he's got. Um, you know, and it's going to give him loads of confidence, which is good for us going forward. And he's the kind of player who is obviously a proven finisher and we're seeing it already in the Premier League. And I think we felt he would adapt well to this kind of pace and this kind of physicality. Well, yeah, you know, and also, you know, you're at Arsenal, we, you know, we can create lots of chances and, you know, we haven't had a, like a penalty box striker in a while. And Ian Wright kind of feel, isn't it? Yeah, you know, and, and you, know, you know, if he's going to get himself into those areas, he will score a lot of goals for us and, you know, it's, it's nice. He ain't always involved in the build-up, but he's there. Any little, no, the first goal was a poacher's goal. Um, you know, his second goal, good penalty, done what he had to do, but... You should say, he's, he's the icing on the cake. All the other lads are creating, but he's there to put it in. So a good all-round team performance on the whole. We'll talk about one or two of the slight concerns in a moment. But first of all, let's get the bosses take. Arsene Wenger speaking to us post-match. First half was quite even and uh, West Brom played very well. They were very physical, very well organised, as usually they are. And overall, uh, uh, we're lucky in one special circumstances, maybe, uh, but... Overall, we won it up at half time. In the second half, it was uh, we controlled well the game, and overall, uh, I think we deserve to win. And finally, that's five unbeaten now, starting to build some momentum. Yes, and overall, I believe, uh, as you see, that uh, we are much more stable defensively. You know, at the start of the season, we conceded too many goals, and uh, you have no hope if you concede always goals. And overall, uh, on that front, we stabilised very well. Rossin Wenger, happy to be climbing the table once again. There were some concerning moments in the first half, though, weren't there, where Arsenal were kind of surprisingly cut open because they dominated the wider play. Yeah, I mean, I say, you know, the breakaways, you know, within two passes, West Brom were in on goal and it was very, very hard to work out why we were, why we were outnumbered, why we were stretched. And really, you know, West Brom have had three great chances to score goals and didn't take any of them and really let us off and... It was a mixture of poor finishing, bad marking. Monreal done great to clear one off the line. Hasn't really got the pace, or has he, to get away from Cossioli? Still going. Looks to try and get the cross in and the header down. He's cleared off the line brilliantly. That's Nacho Monreal, who somehow manages to clear off the line from the downward header. I'm not quite sure who got the header in. It was Hal Robson Canu. How on earth did this one stay out? Wonderful goal line clearance, but his whole all-round game for me was just a night where everything clicked. He was great at the back, great bringing the ball forward. Um, I thought he had a cracking game. Yeah, and I think, I think in a way, him playing amongst the three centre-halves helps him because he's, he's a clever player. He reads, you know, he reads the situation, he intercepts a lot, and it takes him away from the wide areas where, for me, his weakness is his pace. And if he's out wide and he's one-on-one -on -one against somebody with pace, he struggles. But you put him in the middle and he can, he, he can read the game, he can intercept, and then he's clever with the ball when he breaks forward. Key potential partnership that's growing for me is Alexis and Sayer Kalasniac. You've got Alexis in a forward role but peeling out wide. Kalasniac is the left wing back surging forward. And two or three times in the game, I felt their understanding was really, really promising for a, a kind of new relationship that's growing. Yeah, I mean, I've, I mean, for me, he's, Alexis has always done that when he's played on the left. He's all, he wants to come inside a lot on his right foot and, and put good balls in the box or get shots. But, and he, that, that, you know, that encourages the left back. And whether it's been Monreal or Gibbs or Kolasinac now, they can, they can get on and exploit those areas. 
Um, you know, and it, it really works well. And, and then Sanchez can get on the ball and create stuff. So Alexis, I think, really helping to get himself back on track and find his strides for the season to come. We also saw Mesut Ozil back for the final few minutes after a knee niggle, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, I think it's nice to get him on the pitch. You know, he didn't get a chance to really get involved in anything. But, you know, when he's, when he's there, he can make something out of nothing. And that's, that, that's what we need. Not so much tonight, but when you play the big games, you need those kind of players. A little bit of magic from somewhere. And Sanchez offers you that. And uh, Mesut Ozil can offer you that. Um, and then you've got the option that brings your Rue on, who gives you someone big to attack the ball and make and, and create goals. So, you know, I say there's, it's nice to see all these players back in now for all these games that are coming back, back fast and thick and fast. Now, you mentioned games coming thick and fast. Obviously, Barta Borisov of, uh, of intriguing challenge that they will provide us, I think, in the Europa League coming up 6 p.m. away on Thursday in Belarus. It will be, again, a switch of squad, won't it? And there is this squad potential to do that now, I feel, which is great. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's going to be tough. Those, got, you know, those teams are going to love the fact Arsenal are going there to play. They're going to be up for it. The fans are going to be up for it. They're going to make it a hostile sort of atmosphere. You know, we've got travelling to do. But, you know, for me, Arsenal's really got to, got to play second string away from home and his strongest team at home. And I think that way keeps, keeps everyone fresh for, for the Premier League games because playing Thursday and Sunday starts to take its toll as well. Yeah, Sunday midday game, of course, against Brighton in the Premier League, which we'll talk about with Adrian Clark a bit later in the show. Um, on the back of obviously beating Doncaster in midweek, the likes of Jack Wilshire playing well in that game, young Ainsley Maitland-Niles getting a Premier League chance right at the death in this one. That wider group has got some talent, hasn't it, which is desperate to prove itself, or in Jack's case, reprove itself. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't think Jack needs to prove himself because he, you know, he's a quality player and everyone knows what he can do. You know, he'll probably be desperate to be to be getting a, you know, a starting place more, you know, more often. And that was you know, why he probably went out on loan in the first place, because he just gets frustrated sitting on the bench. So, you know, and he wants to probably get back in the England team. So, you know, he needs to be playing. But, it, you know, when you've got all these quality players in the squad, you know, these other games are going to come in really handy because Arsenal can use them in, you know, in the Thursday night football, you know, the, the League Cup games. Um, and it keeps everybody fresh. So just finishing off, Martin, by looking slightly more broadly, Arsenal still with a 100% record in all competitions at Emirates Stadium this season and back up now to seventh in the Premier League. Some nice momentum. Do you feel that the club has turned the corner? I think there is that feeling after a, a slightly iffy period just before the international break. Well, yeah, I mean, look, it's tough to start the season. You know, it sometimes can take you half a dozen games to get you to get going. Um, you know, out of the games that we've played, we've played, we've played Chelsea, we've played Liverpool. You know, tough games. You know, we've, we've taken one point from those two. But when you look at where we are now, and within the first six games we've played those two already, other sides have got to play each other. It's just the games tonight. These are the games we've got to be winning and, and taking the points. And we messed up against Stoke. But we should be beating sides here and, and really getting results more regular away from home. Martin Hayes, former Arsenal winger, joining us here on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. It's been a pleasure spending time with you up on the gantry uh, behind the microphone and hope we'll do it again soon. No, thanks, Russell. It's been, it's been really good. And uh, yeah, promising that good things are coming. Ainsley Maitland-Niles was part of the England under-20s team that won the Junior World Cup this summer in brilliant fashion. He's been speaking to Arsenal Media's Carl Finocchiaro about his memories of that very special tournament success. Ainsley, welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. How are you, mate? 
Not too bad yourself? Yeah, decent. Decent. Good to catch up with you. We've known each other a while. Um, But now I know Ainsley Maitland-Niles, under-20 World Cup winner. Uh, That sounds pretty good, right? Yeah, it's been a long, long road, but finally got there. Do you, um, is it one of those things where you achieve something, you look at it written down on Wikipedia or whatever, and you go, oh, man, that's that's pretty cool. I, I, I can tick that off. Yeah, but it's, it sticks in your mind as well when you win it, you know, keep having flashbacks and dreams about it, so, yeah. What, go on then, what are you what are you dreaming about? <laughs> just dreaming when the final whistle went when I was on the pitch in the final, and just that feeling just keeps coming back to me. It'll never leave me, never leave me. I've never won an under-20 World Cup myself. Can you tell me what that feeling was like at the final whistle? Try and take us inside the moment, inside your mind, what you're thinking about. It's hard for me to explain it to you because I just felt speechless at the time. Like, my body went weak and I just dropped to the floor and just had a prayer to God to thank him for bringing me this far. So it's hard to explain it to you. You have to be there to understand the feeling, but, yeah, it was was one in a lifetime moment. Um, You didn't go into the tournament as favourites, I think it's fair to say. Um, was that a good thing for you guys as a group or is that not something that you even thought about? Um, we didn't think about it too much, but I think it's, it takes the pressure off you when you're not the favourites, do you know what I mean? So, of course, we had a lot of room to make errors in the groups before we started to win games. Um, but we won all our games, so... I think, yeah, not being the favourites, it really gave us a lot of things to work for and we took it. Is there, in, is, was this group kind of a chip on their shoulder kind of a group where, you know, you, you kind of wanted to prove that, you know, you weren't to be taken lightly, that you could be good at this level? Yeah, we had something to prove because we got to the semi-finals in the under-19 Euros and we felt we should have won it. So we ended up playing Italy again. I think it was the semi-finals... Um, the World Cup, so yeah, we had a point to prove, and we had to beat them because they beat us the year before. So there's a bit of a bit of a grudge match out there in the yeah, semi. Yeah, a bit of revenge, but it was all friendly. <laughs> was it? Um, honestly, I want the honest answer here. Did you think going into that tournament, when you hop on your plane, you're all together? Did you think you could win it? We had. had honest some, answer. We had some thoughts. Honestly, there was a few boys that said, "Like, look, we could actually win this." But I don't know if they was being serious. So, you know, a lot of people just say we're going to win it just to be positive and keep the team vibe high. But me personally, no, I didn't think we was going to win it. When did you think, oh, hang on, this group is special, something special's happening, we could take this thing? What moment? And <laughs> not the final whistle? No, I think when we got to the quarterfinals, after that quarterfinal game, and then we drew Italy. Everyone was looking at each other like, All right, we've come this far, we're not, we're not coming back to lose against Italy again. So if we get to the final, we definitely can't lose. So I think it was after the quarterfinals, before the draw of the semis. And what was happening in the group? Can you describe the vibe between each other? Were you geeing each other up? Was there one or two guys really vocal saying, come on, guys, we can do this? Like, what, what was the mood like? Our group's more laid back, to be honest. So... Everyone was just doing their own thing and just preparing themselves mentally for games and off the pitch, staying in their rooms, relaxing, recovery time. So I think everyone was pretty professional about it. Um, Did you realise while you're out there 
that people were taking a lot of notice back home because, you know, I was over here, you know, and everyone it was just gathering and gathering steam. Did you realise how much coverage it was getting? Yeah, because Twitter was, it was really, really um, enthusiastic about the England on the 20s at the time. So when I'd hop onto my phone in my free time, um, I'd see a lot of tweets, um, especially from Arsenal as well, and just saying how well we we're doing. And, that gives you a lot of confidence. So I'm sure all the boys got that from their clubs and I think that helped us win it too. Um, the final was really tight. I watched the whole game. It was a nerve-shredding watch. I was obviously cheering for you guys, despite the fact I'm not English. How nervy was it for you being out there actually playing? Oh, it was... Oh, wow. I wouldn't be able to explain the nerves because... <laughs> I didn't start the final and to come on into a game of that sort of tempo in a final when if you know you make a mistake you could end up costing your team is it's really hard to to take. So just coming on, trying to keep it simple and then when you're in the opposite's half, then try and do what you're good at. So it's just playing a careful game when you come on. Were you nervous when you came oh, on? Yeah, of yeah, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't be. I think even the players that started were nervous too because it took a few minutes to get into the game, but, yeah. Is that how it works, is it? Like you're you're nervous and then you come on and then you just takes you a little while to find a rhythm and sink into the game? Yeah, it takes you a couple of minutes to catch the tempo of the game as well, you know, because you're coming on and then you're just suddenly sprinting up and down the pitch trying to win the ball back for your team and trying to score as well. So it takes a bit out of you and then about five or ten minutes into that, that's when you start feeling comfortable, more relaxed on the ball. Um, there was a penalty save. That match did have kind of a bit of everything. Um, I mean, how how tense is that watching that moment? You know, your World Cup's on the on the line. There's a penalty. You know, what's going through your mind there? Um, at the time, it was like everyone was saying it wasn't a penalty, so we were just more angry at the fact that the referee gave the penalty, and then for our keeper to go and save it as well, to keep us in the 1-0 lead. That was just, the whole bench just got up and everyone was shouting and screaming, hugging each other, like we won it already, so it was crazy. Um, England have waited a long time to be world champions at something. There was, uh, I'm sorry, football world champions, I better clarify that. Um, the outpouring afterwards on social media and everything, I mean, what uh, sense of pride does that give you to the fact that you did make such a big impact and you, and you were history makers? I think once you write your name in history, like people always remember you. So just to be part of that team is something special and uh, it's just one of those things that you never forget. Last one. Sorry, I interrupted you again. I've got a habit of that. Um, truthfully, what was the party like afterwards? Did you guys go out? Was it, let's just jump on a plane, get back to Club Judy? Like, come on, what happened after? No, we, we went back to the hotel. Um, everyone's families were invited and we had dinner together. Um, there's a bit of champagne going around. And then um, I think the team went out to the town centre after and just, I think we went for more food and I think we went to a bar after and just chilled. So it wasn't too crazy. I was looking for some kind of crazy story. No, like, no, 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 no. No, sensible boys. Yeah, <laughs> just just for the listeners, he's grinning from ear to ear right now, so I doubt he's telling the truth. Thank you very much for your time today, Angie. Thank you. The Age.
Xavi! To Zed. Oh, Charlie George, you can hit him. Oh, look, he's I is for Invincibles. When I made the checkup uh, with the team uh, before the season started 2003-2004, I asked the players, why did we not win the championship last year? And they basically said, of course, in disguised words, it's your fault. I said, yes, why? And uh, they said, because you put too much pressure on us. Uh, because you said we want to win the championship without losing a game. And uh, that was too much pressure. And I said to them, look, I just said that because I think you're capable. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. To do it. When I saw my teammates uh, being full of passion and adrenaline and uh, still fighting and arguing, I thought, well, it's a really great team because they take care of each other. Um, and they have passion and uh, they would like to or they want to win something. You gotta believe in yourself. Uh, you gotta be confident. You gotta believe in what you can do. If you're not that believe in yourself that you can perform and go out there and show everybody that you're the real deal, so you, you might as well, as well stay at home. I collapsed in the second half against Chelsea and I felt like I didn't deliver. I wasn't happy. As you know, I didn't play against United uh, in Birmingham. So I was even more upset. I was like, hey, this game isn't going to go past me. 
without me performing. The performance for Thierry was was out of his world, really. I don't think the Liverpool defence know knew what hit him. Jamie Carragher and people like that. He was absolutely unplayable that day, Thierry. Thierry really just you know took the game or scruffed his neck and uh, literally just just kind of wiped Liverpool out the way. This will always go down in history, winning the league at White Hart Lane, 204, simple as that. You can never get sick of hearing that, and I wish I could have sat there and celebrated until now. Whenever I see that particular moment and that thing, it's just, uh, you know, because we were all saying that was an amazing day. When I am a manager and I look at the, the table of my team, I look always at the L and uh, uh, how big this number is, you know. When you can see L, zero, that's where you can be really, really happy. Invincibles reached the Champions League quarter-final that season after beating another eye into Milan in the group stages with one of the greatest European away performances of all time. Here is Robert Pires. Cole has gone on. Henri has found him. Sharp challenge. Henri Sharp, 1-0! Heavy from Vieri, and this is Henri. Jumberg, 2-1! Arsenal retake the lead with just three minutes of the second half gone. It's Freddie Jumberg scoring for the third game in a row. And Arsenal are again in sight of the result they need. It's not going to bother Arsenal because they've got Thierry Henri on the ball. Zanetti trying to catch up with him. Henri steps inside, Pires is there. Henri will have to do it alone. Oh! Sensational goal from Thierry Henri to secure a sensational result for Arsenal. Henri slid into Freddie Jumberg. It'll come here for Edu. It's only 4-1 to Arsenal in the San Zero. And it's another Henri assist. That's a good finish as well, that's brilliant. He can hardly believe it. The 3,000 travelling Arsenal fans can hardly believe it, but you better believe it. Arsenal are back, back as Champions League contenders. Ali Adier in pursuit. He's got away from pressure, and they might not be finished. He's showing me Ali Adier. It's Robert Pires. Five! <laughs> they needed to win tonight. With style and with bags and bags to spare, bags of skill. I is also for a Wobie. Alex, an academy graduate who burst into the first team in the 2015 season, and boy, has he lit up Emirates Stadium ever since. Awobi's made a run and Bellerin spotted it. Away goes Alex Awobi. Look at the far post. Mesut Ozil is there, still with Awobi, who scores! His first goal for Arsenal! The 19 year old has doubled the Gunners' lead! with a punishing counter-attack, and it's Everton nil, Arsenal two. Here he comes again, clips it in, Iwobi, yes! Arsenal are back in it! Alexis, was he tripped? Referee plays the advantage, and rightly so, because Alex Iwobi has capitalised and has scored his second goal of the week, and that gives Arsenal some daylight. It's Arsenal 3, Stoke 1. 
The Chalkboard with Adrian Clark. Well, joining me at The Chalkboard is Adrian Clark. Clarky, first things first, uh, congratulations on being uh, a new dad again. Oh, thank you very much, Russ. Yeah, yeah, good news. Um, good news this week. Um, little baby Ted came along last Thursday, so very, very happy. And uh, yeah, he's behaving himself nicely so far. So, so all good. Well, the picture you sent me, he looks like a, a lovely little thing. So, uh, good work, and I hope it all continues yep. to go well and calmly, as I'm sure it will in the Clark household. Um, yeah, future Arsenal winger, Russ. Future Arsenal winger. We <laughs> shall see. That would be fantastic to have the next generation of Clarks tearing down the wing. Um, as of one or two Arsenal players being at the moment. And chalkboard question for you, first of all, pal. Uh, Lacazette, great form. Monreal, outstanding, I felt, in the game on Monday night. Um, who would you say is Arsenal's most important player at the moment? Well, that's a good question. Um, I, I would I would agree on those two guys. Actually, I think I think Monreal was was superb. He really was. He, he was faultless. I would say against West Bromwich Albion. So so well done to him. Um, at the moment, I would say that Lacazette is probably the team's most important player, and I say that because we've got a run of winnable fixtures, games Arsenal would expect to score in and expect to, to take three points from. So, uh, and, and he's playing ever so well. I, I'm just, every time I watch him, Russ, I'm more impressed with Lacazette. I think his hold-up play, his touch, his movement, they're all excellent. And he sets the tone for the rest of the team. It so often happens in a football team when the striker is sharp, when the striker is working hard, when he, especially when he goes to press opposition defenders, it triggers everybody else to do the same. And I think that's happening at the moment. And that's why we're seeing an upturn in form. Yeah, it certainly is looking pretty positive, isn't it? And we move from there, Adrian, to a big game against Brighton, Premier League-wise, on Sunday at midday. Let's go with the midday factor, first of all, because as Arsene Wenger has said, it's it's not ideal, is it, on the back of having been in Belarus on the Thursday? Yeah, not great. But you just got to get on with it. It's, it's, it's The fixtures are what they are. Everybody always complains about about the Europa League, the Thursday Sunday aspect. But look, they just they, they won't do anything on Friday. They'll, they'll, they'll fly back, I'm sure, Thursday night. Pretty have coming very late on Friday, Saturday light session, and and then a home game. At least they're at home. That's what I say on this one. I haven't got to do any further travelling. And yeah, look, I, I don't think there are any excuses here. Rock up midday Sunday and beat Brighton. I, th- I think Arsenal are more than capable. Now, Brighton have started pretty solidly, haven't they? We know what Chris Hutton is kind of about. He's a very honest manager and a very good one with a strong track record over the years. And his team kind of play a little bit like that on the whole, don't they? Yeah, I, I like Chris Hutton. I think he's one of the nice guys in football management. And what, what I'll say about Brighton is that they're not very ambitious. You know, they don't flood the box with bodies. They, they work around set pieces a lot. Don't create bundles from open play. That's the negatives, but the big one, big fat positive, is that they don't give you goals. They really do not. They they are hard to break down. Very disciplined. Four four one one will be the shape, and everybody knows their jobs inside out. The only team, well, there's two teams that have scored twice against them. That's uh, Man City and Leicester. Everybody else has either got none or one so far, and, and so that tells you how difficult they are to break down. Who will be one or two of your players that we should watch out for as Arsenal fans or as uh, as uh, journalists heading into this one? Well, I like Lewis Dunk. I think he's in he's in terrific form. Um, Shane Duffy is is often the guy that's more heavily involved. He, he, he gets dragged here, down everywhere, makes a lot of tackles, sometimes makes mistakes. Dunk is fairly smooth. He, he's, he's a really strong 
powerful centre-half. And he needs to play well, obviously, against Alexander Lacazette. Yeah, I like him. Uh, and the other guy that started the season terrifically well is, is Solly March down the left-hand side. Not a player that I've been hugely familiar with in the past. I know he's had, he's had injury problems. But yeah, down that left hand side, he, he delivers good crosses. He takes players on. Um, he's decent. And, and they've got a newcomer that plays in just behind the main striker, Pascal Gross. Um, doesn't get in the box that much, but he's, he's got a lot of skill, takes up some good positions. So those are the three standouts for me. Um, I do think at the moment, not working brilliantly in central midfield. They've got a guy called uh, David Proper. They've got Dale Stevens. Solid, but they're not offering a lot. They're not offering a great deal of creativity. So I think to survive this season, Brighton need a bit more from those guys. Okay, so if you're Arsenal, uh, as we've been discussing on the show already, rotation obviously needed for Thursday and then back again. Mm. In light of the team that's played against West Brom and won, do you tweak anything then for maybe facing the Seagulls? Well, he's got luxury of, of having quality players available at the moment. No, no, as of the other day, no Olivier Giroud, um, a number of others um, that he could have played didn't. It, it'll be fascinating. I, I think we'll see more changes for the for the Borisov game, and then we'll see probably the same same eleven that played last time out against West Brom against Brighton. There might be Mesut Özil coming in. That would probably be the one the one player I'd pick out. I've got to say, Mohamed El Nenny. Did fantastically, I thought, especially in the second half. I thought he was excellent in the central midfield. Um, so it'd be fascinating to see whether Ramsey drops in for El Nenny, whether Granite Jacket gets a breather. So, yeah, selection headaches, I guess, for Arsene Wenger. But at the moment, thankfully, they're all good headaches to have. Um, I think at the moment he's got a League 11, and the League 11 was pretty much what we saw against the Baggies. And then Alex Iwobi, after a little niggle, hopefully back soon as well to, mm. to seed into that mix where needed too. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. I think Alex Iwobi was was quality against Chelsea. He offered the team a lot in terms of defensive work without the ball. And he's just such a good link player, Alex Iwobi. And I think in a game like this against Brighton, I don't know if he's going to be available or not, but, but in that type of game, you need to pass through the lines quickly, shift the ball on one and two touch to, to break down Brighton before they've got themselves settled. If you're too slow against a team like Brighton, They'll be they'll plug all the gaps. You've got to be quick, and that's where Iwobi, I think, is a real asset. He turns in one touch, releases it in a second touch, and um, it's not always flashy, but it's very very effective for the team. And to round off this little part of our chat, very popular already on the podcast this season. <laughs> if you were Arsene Wenger, Adrian Clark, the gaffer, what is your five second team talk as you prepare to lead your players out against Brighton and Hove Albion? <laughs> Be patient, boys. You don't have to win this in the first five or ten minutes. They might take some breaking down, but keep knocking on the door and the goals will come. Clarky, loving your work there. Time to move on to, of course, our new quiz for this season, Brain of Arsenal. Brain of Arsenal. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast editor, Liam Roberts, joins us on the line. Liam, how's it going? Morning, fellas. Yes, good, thanks. Just uh, re-approaching Emirates Stadium as the late finish last night and I'm literally walking to the stadium now. We like to work you hard, uh, as you well know as much as anybody, Liam. Um, Clarky, of course, has had a pretty busy week himself, so we've been congratulating him on the new arrival and time we drew some battle lines up for our quiz, mate. Yeah, so Clarky, um, uh, I hope you hope you made some time for some revision. I know, I know <laughs> you, you must be, priori- be prioritising at the moment, but surely there's time for a re- revision. Oh yeah, Mrs. Clark, Mrs. Clark has been working overtime. She's been working overtime so that I, 
I can. Uh, I've spent well at least three hours revising John Lukic. So uh, let's see how it goes. Priorities. <laughs> I like it. Okay, so um, Russell Hargreaves, it's your choice this week. Would you like to go first or second, answering questions about Emirates Stadium? I think, given the fact that Clarkie is in a weakened state due to the birth of a child and he's going for a three-peat on a tough subject, it would be harsh to make him go first. <laughs> but I will. <laughs> it's all about the tactics. Okay, Clarkie, right, hang on, so... just... just... Hold it, hold it there, Liam, just while I get Wikipedia up on my computer. Um, oh, <laughs> taking advantage of being out of studio. Boom. No, I promise, I promise, I hereby make a pledge that I am not cheating, all right? Let's go. Mate, in all fairness, this week, Wikipedia might not help you. I've had to go deep for questions this week. Okay, so your four questions on week three for John Lukic, uh, starting now. How tall is John? Six foot four. Metres. Oh, ooh, six foot three. No, 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 it says six for four on Wikipedia. I, I revised that especially. I had to look. It says six for three, mate. Well, let's, I think that's a steward. That is a massive Well, after last week's Danny Fisman didn't give me half a point, my heart doesn't bleed. <laughs> okay, question number two. Um, how many league goals did John concede in the 1988-89 title-winning season? How <laughs> many league goals did he concede? Goodness. I don't reckon that many. Um, Twenty. Thirteen. Not many at all. Crikey. Yeah. Yeah. Different times. <laughs> Question three. Um, who did John keep his first clean sheet for Arsenal against? <laughs> These are just rock hard, aren't they? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, look, I haven't got a Scooby. Um, I will go for um, I'll go for Spurs. Well, it's Everton. And finally, question four: Against which team did John make his second debut for Arsenal against? This was on Wikipedia. Second debut. Oh. No, I, no, I, I haven't got that. Lazio. Um, it was Chelsea. Poor, yeah. Oh, I didn't really have three hours revision. Um, yeah. <laughs> as expected for week three, we're not going to hold that against you. And a new baby, so uh, yeah, the excuses are in. So, okay. Adrian Clark is the only person we should say to ever get a week three question right so far. He once got one, <laughs> and that's the best any of us have managed. <laughs> yes. So, uh, Russ, week two, Emirates Stadium. You only need one to win, so uh, here comes your questions. Um, okay. What? What is the record attendance at Emirates Stadium? 60,161 as the official one, even though it's not quite the capacity due to a slight kind of spuriousness about season ticket allocations. But 6161 is the highest ever officially recorded. Uh, That's correct. Against Manchester United in November 2007. Um, question two. We're going to go through them anyway because you need to you need to pick up the points. Um, can you name one band that have played at Emirates Stadium? I can. Coldplay. <sighs> Correct. Yeah. Cool. So I've had Bruce Springsteen, Green Day, or Muse. Of which that um, Capital Ball um, one is actually on a big poster as you walk in as well, handily. <laughs> okay, he's showing off now. <laughs> um, how how many legends are there in the eight murals on the exterior of the stadium? It is. Eight lots of four, so 32. Correct. And finally, for the full health, um, what is the current field dimensions in metres? I think it's 105 
by 68. Correct. Oh. Four out of four. <laughs> it's, a, it's a crushing, I'm afraid. It's a crushing. It is a crushing. I, I've got to say, that, 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 they were kind week two questions. I've just got, I've got Wikipedia up as we speak here. It says John Lukic, height, six foot four inches, one metre 93. I, I'm just saying. Okay, well, I had one metre 93 down as well. So I'll tell you what, Clark, I'll give you a point for that. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that's Yeah, I'll give you a point. Fair. You never know, that might, that might make all the difference at the end of the season. <laughs> well done, Rand. Um, well played. Oof, thank Excellent you form. very much. We know um, it's all going to turn, though, as I try to potentially three-peak next week. Yeah, so next week, um, Adrian, what are you changing your subject to? Yeah, I'm going to change. Yeah, I anticipated that I would have to change. Um, the um, I'm going to go for the... Uh, uh, one of the most memorable games I've ever gone to as an Arsenal fan, and that's the 2014 FA Cup final against Hull City. Unbelievable. Let, let's, let's, uh, let's quiz on that one. Okay, then. So we will be back next week for, uh, it will be week three of Emirates Stadium against the 2014 FA Cup final. Brilliant stuff. Liam, thank you very much indeed. And Clarky, uh, our listeners around the world will be able to uh, watch and hear us together. I believe uh, you'll be up for the Brighton game. Yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, I'll be on the gantry alongside you for that bright game. Really, be looking forward to early start, but um, yeah, hoping for uh, hoping for another good home win. The final word. We'll play through by Usher, and now here's an opportunity for Giroud. Can he get his first goal for Arsenal? The answer is yes. Finally it comes in his seventh appearance. He looks to the skies in delight, and that will take a weight off his shoulders and those of the players around him. Arsenal lead here at the Emirates. Lovely move from the Gunners. Good football. Coquelin, it was, who's toe-poked it through. He's got time to think there. The keeper's committed himself, but... Gives Giroud some credit. Well, that's full time on this week's show. Our thanks to Ainsley Maitland-Niles, to Adrian Clark, and to Martin Hayes for their contributions today. We'd like to know how we're doing on the podcast, so please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. You can subscribe as well and also find us these days on Acast. Remember to get your questions into Clarky for the chalkboard on Twitter using the hashtag ArsenalWeekly. We're back on Monday the 2nd of October, and until then, it's bye for now. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.